You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. Tolstoy's a pretty famous fellow, isn't he? Any, any fans of Tolstoy? Right? Yeah, there's one. Okay. <laughs> He's written very, very famous books. He's very well known among authors. Uh, there is one story that he tells, though, about himself in a little lesser known book called Confessions. And there he tells his story for, in the search of the meaning of life. He, um, he first started out thinking, perhaps the answer is in pleasure, just having a good time. So he gave himself fully to the social life in Moscow, he became part of the nightlife there, and he gave himself fully to consumption, lust, and he found this to be rather tiresome, and he found that basically he reflected, he said, you know, this doesn't satisfy. He found this doesn't satisfy. Then he thought, well, perhaps it's fame and success, right? Now, this is a very capable person, and so he achieved great fame and success and uh, through his writing. And again, upon reflection, he found it did not satisfy. What is the meaning of life? He then thought, perhaps it is family. So he married, and his wife bore him 13 children, <laughs> which maybe we should just talk about his wife from now on. She's the hero in this story. And upon reflection, he found that such a large family distracted him from the search and the meaning of life. <laughs> oh, he had realized all his ambitions and still lacked the answer to the meaning of life. The meaning of life that death would not erase. A meaning of life that death would not erase. One evening, as he was traveling through the Russian countryside, it looked like he was going to make it to his next stop before nightfall. He saw a little hut in the distance with a small light through a window. He knocked on the door, and a peasant family let him in for the night. And there he sat across the table from his present friend. On a dirt floor, he could see it in the eyes of the peasant. He could see what he was looking for in his eyes. As the peasant shared with Tolstoy that he was a beloved child of God, chosen and wholly set apart, Tolstoy found a peace come over him and found what he was looking for. Now we all have this tension going on in our lives, don't we? We tend to kind of gravitate. We have this tendency to gravitate towards what we do. Perhaps uh, our savings or our well-being, overall happiness, uh, how we look, the car that we drive. Right? When I first moved to the United States, I used to hear the phrase, I'm, if you hear an accent, I'm from the Netherlands. <laughs> you are what you drive. And I love cars, by the way. I love cars. I'm, I'm rebuilding an F2, 1975 F-250 right now. I had to really scrub my hands to get them clean this morning. <laughs> so, I, yes, I totally get the love affair of, of, of automobiles here in the United States. I'm fully into it. 
But we tend to sort of begin to lean on that, don't we? And we might even experience meaninglessness, the way Solomon lamented, or the way Tolstoy, for a large part, part of his life, lamented. Or perhaps in, in times of trial or misfortune, you know, things come along in our life that happen that are unpleasant and difficult and hard. And we, we get these emotions of meaninglessness. This is part of our human experience. This is not a bad thing. It's a valid emotion, this meaninglessness that Solomon expressed. It's even in our language. And I think this is a good thing. We're curious with one another. We, we are generous with one another. We come up to one another and say, what do you do? Right? What do you do? But listen to the language as if the doing defines who we are. What is your vocation? Now that word, uh, vocation, is an old word, and it still has a Latin stem of vocare, calling. It's, it, is, it is as if we're saying to one another, what is your calling? What is your calling? Well, who's calling? Right? If, if this is a calling, who's calling? We are doers, aren't we? We're doers. We're workers, right? In fact, we're instilled by God to work this earth and to take care of it. So it isn't that life's work is all vanity. It is actually God-ordained. So what's going on here? Why do we experience such meaninglessness then? Why did Solomon lament this way? We get our first hint from Paul in Colossians 3, putting on the new self. Now Paul is using the language of putting on, as in put on these new clothes, like how you get dressed in the morning, are you getting dressed and you're putting on your clothes, right? Like a new pair of shoes. It takes a while, you have to kind of break them in. It takes, so Paul is really, what he's really saying here is put on as a response to something. Put on then, it says then, which is a condition, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Chosen by God, holy and beloved. That is the ingoing position. That is the primary orientation. And out of that flows this putting on and this putting off. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. God loves us, right? We don't have to stop sinning. We don't have to become baptized. We don't. God is approaching us now as we are, right? The same with our friends who are still seeking for Christ, just like Tolstoy was seeking Christ, right? He comes to us. He wants to be with us. We are his beloved. So that is the orientation. Orientation precedes practice. How do we get good at something? Anyone here playing sports in school, right? You have to practice a lot. Playing, the, playing an instrument, playing the piano, right? The guitar. You have to practice. That's how you get. This is how you learn how to walk. This is how you learn how to speak a long, long time ago, right? In the land far, far away. We practice our way into things. God is very patient with us. He is very patient with us. We practice, and that's what Paul is saying. Because you are 
chosen by God, set apart, holy and beloved. Holy and beloved, hidden in Christ as he washed us clean by the work of him on the cross, set apart. This is how we receive our standing, not by what we do. We are, in fact, what we receive. Yes, we're doers, but we are not what we do. We are what we receive. The, the world might say, you know, the world tries to give us our standing by looking at us and saying, well, what's going on with you? Well, okay, well, look at that. Or, you know, look at these titles or look at these accomplishments or look at this. Look at the size of that. Look at, right? That's how the world looks at us. That's how the world tries to give us our standing, right? How well you're doing on your social media account. I don't do social media, but... It seems very tiny to me because you can be totally profound one day and the next day it's like people are dogs. They have no short-term memory. You have to do it all over again the next day. This is like, this is tiring, right? This is, this is a great way of wearing yourself out. I've got to do it all over again tomorrow. Try to justify myself. Try to stand on my own two feet. Try to define who I am. So it is out of the overflow of God's love that we work, out of the overflow of God's love that we begin to do. We receive our standing. We are what we receive. And then we have to start practicing. We have to start practicing. You don't wake up one morning and all of a sudden everything is great. You're overflowing with God's love and everything is perfect and all that stuff that Paul tells you to put off, it's gone and all the new stuff is automatically dead. No, we have to practice our way into it, don't we? We have to practice. And a manner in which we do this matters, right? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as Christ forgave us, right? It is, in fact, our baptism, right? We receive him, and we emerge from the waters, not thirsty anymore, right? This living water. I'd like to offer for your consideration a, an illustration that a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, gave me some time ago when I think he detected a sense of self-reliance in me that I was leaning on pretty good. We live in a land of mountains, right? Beautiful places. We've probably all been on hikes. Who's been here? Who here has been to a beautiful waterfall? Right? Yeah, many of you. A beautiful waterfall. Now, the, it, it's just this lively place. It's so abundant. First of all, the sound is beautiful of rushing water, right? It's a beautiful sound. People will sort of have lunch there and relax and sit around. There's, the rest of nature is responding because there's flowers everywhere. There's life. There's, the flowers bring insects and insects bring birds. And it's just life, teeming with life. It's like the Garden of Eden. This beautiful waterfall, this place of beauty. Now, let's continue to hike up a bit further, right, from the waterfall. And we get to a higher place, and we find ourselves looking at an, an alpine valley 
filled with water. And somewhere near the edge of that filled with water place, a lake, water is spilling over the edge, which is creating the waterfall, right? So the source of this beautiful waterfall is often a lake. Now, how does the lake get filled up? Often it's less obvious, right? You might see a glacier in the distance, maybe a few trickles here and there, streams of mercy, streams of grace, right, coming in. There may be a well underneath feeding the lake, right? It's maybe a little less obvious, a little less dramatic, what's filling up this lake. Now, the world often notices just the waterfall, right? This is the we are what we do view. But the lake is God's love pouring into us. We are what we receive. The lake represents God filling us up with his love, his saving grace. Streams of mercy, streams of grace filling our heart. We receive him. We receive our standing from him. And one day it begins to overflow. One day it begins to overflow. Not by our own power but by the filling grace and mercy of God. And it overflows into our own hearts, self-love, and into the love of neighbor. It flows out of what God is giving us, not by our own achievements. This is what Tolstoy encountered in the peasant's eyes. This is what Paul means with our ability to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, another forgiving one another. We don't force them on. We try them on and we receive them and we practice. This is the easiness of the yoke that God is talking about. Try it on. My way is, is a good way. Try it on with me. Let's try this together. And do it with a friend and a neighbor. We are what we receive. If we become too wrapped up in the performance of the waterfall, sometimes we put our weight back on the doing. That happens, right? Our life sometimes goes that way. And the lake level starts to drop down. These emotions will come. And they're signals for us. Like, what am I doing? Why am I so tired? What's going on here? Right? Or perhaps circumstances are just too difficult and we need to put our weight back on letting God fill us. So let us first be attuned to the streams of mercy and grace and spend time in his loving presence. So what shall we do then, right? It's not like we're going to go sit by the waterfall and experience beauty and look at the lake and be filled up. We're doers, right? Monday comes and we have to go to work. We have to be homemakers. We have to be students. We have to be teachers, workers, husbands, wives, Children, parents, right? Friends. So our orientation, what I'm asking you to consider here is that shift your weight from I am what I do to I am what I receive. In your doing, in your doing. We've been given access to the kingdom of heaven. We now look to be filled up. And when these feelings of meaningless do occur, 
They're valid emotions. Let's, let's not beat ourselves up with it. But let it be a signal to say, a wake-up call, or maybe just a, a sign saying, come back to me. Like the whole story of the Old Testament. Come back, you Israelite. You know, come back to me. Let's do this together, this doing. Paul concludes our reading of Colossians with these words. And whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we sang that this morning as well, right? What, is it, what does it mean to do something in someone's name? In first century Palestine, in Israel there, the closest thing we have today is power of attorney. Is anyone, do we have any attorneys in the room? There's one, okay. Power of attorney. If I give someone power of attorney, they get to pay my bills in my name, right? Now you might say, no, thank you very much. I have my own bills to pay. But you get to pay my bills, not using your money. You get to pay my bills using my money in my name. You get to do things on behalf of me using my resources. And that's what Paul is reminding us of here, this, this putting on and this putting off, right, that we're going to do, to drop the things that are not so good and to put on this way of Christ, is actually a movement of the kingdom of God using the resources of the kingdom of God, enabling us to become Christ-like. And what is the main resource of the kingdom of God that makes the kingdom of God move? Love. God's love for us. So this isn't something that we get to try differently. We're actually empowered by the movement, the orientation that Christ set in place when he first said, repent for the kingdom of God has come nearby. Rethink everything. There's a new reality in town. And it moves like this. My spirit will help you do it. Try to do things out of overflow of what I am giving you, rather than trying to do it out of your own power. So when we do things in the name of Christ, we do it out of the resources of the kingdom of God. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. These can only flow out of our receiving. Perhaps we can try it for a day or half a day on our own power, but it gets tiring very quickly, right? But there is a reality of the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit walking with us, enabling us as we try. We put on these clothes. It's like getting dressed in the morning. So orientation precedes practice, and practice precedes disposition. Disposition, what you would naturally do. When I first moved to the United States, um, using foul language is something that was, it, it was built into me in my mother tongue that I just couldn't do it. It, was, it. it had a negative sting and there was a filter there and I just, but in English, for some reason, that filter wasn't there as I picked up a new language. So I adopted some foul language very quickly as a 16-year-old when I had moved to the United States. And my friends finally said to me, we don't talk that way here. Uh, this, is not, this is not right. And I said, I said to my friends, 
you know, I don't talk that way either back in Holland. I don't, what's going on here? Why have I adopted this foul language? That's it. It's Saturday. I'm not going to do it anymore. I was building a boat dock um, on Monday, and um, I was about, it was 10 o'clock in the morning. I got pretty good. I didn't have a nail gun, I was, but I got pretty good. I could put a two and a half inch nail in with three strikes and put it in straight. Well, apparently my thumb got in the way during one of these. <laughs> I hit my thumb and all these words came out of my mouth. I was on a lake in a valley and the, and the echo came back and I heard them again. <laughs> and I said to myself, apparently, my orientation has not become practice yet. I need to work on this and work on it with the Lord. So, and this is what the community of faith, this is why the Lord, one of the reasons the Lord built the church, right? This putting on that Paul is talking about, it's kind of like the ultimate selfie. You might say that Paul is the inventor of the selfie. I don't know if that's going to fly, but <laughs> except there's one big difference. The reflection is not your phone. The reflection is the community. You get to try on these new clothes and put off these old clothes in front of a friend, in front of someone in the community, and ask them, hey, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to grow into this. Will you tell me how I'm doing? Can you reflect back to me what you see, right, in loving correction? That's part of what we do in the community. And that's how we grow and build one, and one, and self, one another up. We are what we receive. Now, some of us are strivers, right? We want to be really good. Okay, I've got it. I'm going to be really good at receiving God's love. A friend of mine said this to me once. He said, Vandenberg, if you want to be really good at it, become a champion a champion receiver of God's love. Become a champion receiver of God's love and find someone in your community of faith that you can try this on with and reflect on. Say, how am I doing? How is this looking? How are you receiving me as Christ is receiving me? Try it on with someone, right? Try not boasting, but try to name these streams of mercy, these streams of grace. How is God filling up your lake? Perhaps you can sit in the scripture. Uh, you can maybe join the, the apostles in the, in the upper room in John 20 after the resurrection and sit there with him and go through it as God gives you peace, as God pours out his Holy Spirit. Or perhaps a more, a more gentle way, um, as a kid, I learned how to do it this way. And, and this, is, this has some imag creative imagination with it, but I think it's all right. I think it's all right to try it on this way. I imagine myself sitting on a hill with Jesus, especially when I'm quite tired. And um, I'm sitting there with him, and, and I could say something like, to him, you know, Lord, I've kind of gotten into this place again. I'm really tired and kind of worn out. I'm spent. The waterfall has gone down to a trickle, right? And my friends are telling me too. And so the Lord says, yeah, I could see that. I, yeah, I could see that. Here, have a glass of water. 
So I drink this water. And all these worries and all this pain just kind of begins to wash away. I said, what is, what is this water? And he says to me, oh, it's living water. It's actually myself. I'm giving you myself. And um, I say to him, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten my baptism. I'd forgotten. Thanks for reminding me. I'm so sorry. You see, but that's all right. You know, that's why I'm here with you, to remind you and fill you up again. Here, why don't you have another glass of water? Oh, okay, I'll have another glass of water. I'm kind of full, but sure, yeah. And so uh, we hang out some more, and I feel kind of relieved, and I feel ready to go again, to engage in life again. And I ask him one final question. I said, Lord, why did you give me two glasses of water? The first one totally satisfied me. He said, well, the first one filled you up. And the second one is for overflowing to other people. You can't give what you haven't received. Remember then, we are what we receive. We are not what we do. So perhaps this day, or in your prayers this evening, ask the Lord to point something out to you and how we would like to spend time with you and how we could fill you up. Try to name with a friend what streams of mercy and streams of grace might look like in your life. Learn from others. It's not the same for everyone. Some it's for prayer, some it's scripture reading, some it's time, quality time. Learn from each other on how the Lord is teaching us to practice putting on these clothes that Paul is talking about. And in trying to find one, ask the Lord if there's something that he would like you to take off and if there's something he'd like you to put on. Now, I'm an introvert, so I tend to do this by myself first. But then someone will encourage me. What, do you, what are you doing? What are you trying? Can I walk with you? So try to find some, someone in the community of faith and walk it out together. We are what we receive. Let us prepare to receive him now as he meets us at the table. Amen. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you are in the area and would like to learn more about how you can worship with us in person or online, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.com. Org.